Bonjour, and welcome to the Amateur Detective Club. This club is exactly how it sounds. A bunch of amateurs talking about their favorite mysteries. So if you encounter a real mystery or a murder, contact the proper authorities. Do not come to us. We do not know what we are doing. But enjoy the program. Allons-y. Let us begin. I now call to order this meeting of the Amateur Detective Club. I am Melissa Maley, the spy. I am Tyler Riley, cop and a half. And I am Tristan Miller, kid cop. Those are too similar. This sounds so spontaneous. (laughs) Those names are too similar. One of us must change. A duel, perhaps, we are and we huff it. Yeah. Let's do it. I got my pistol, like, right here, dude. Oh, no. Is that a euphemism? Well, I mean, it is, but it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Wrong kind of duel, but we're moving on. We're in New Jersey, where the duel between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr took place, just in case no one picked that up. Yes. Yeah, Philip. Philip also died here as well. The Hamiltons do not have the best of luck. In Weehawken, New Jersey. <laughs> it's good thing none of us are Hamiltons. Yeah. Yes. It is. Oh, we're definitely doing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a suggestion, actually, like I have never particularly enjoyed the moniker, Zelensky moniker of <laughs> uh, kid cop. So we are voting on new names, and we want suggestions from you, our audience. Please yes. And thank you. Please. I guess mine was just too brilliant. Yeah. yeah. You had what? Reflective detective? Is yeah, that reflective correct? detective. I, I'm going to put that in the Twitter poll. We're okay. going to come up with ideas and we're going to let the audience decide. This is a terrible way of naming yourself. Yeah. We're going to let a, a group of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> this is how they did it in the Middle Ages. A group of strangers. <laughs> it's how they did it on Parks and Rec and look how all well that turned out for That's them. That's true. And also the Catholics, I think, still do that. Is that correct? I'm not sure. But anyway, so this book. Uh-huh. <laughs> The Catholics do what now? Do a, like, you have, you, because, like, if you think about it, everyone is named by a total stranger, because you haven't met your parents. Oh, I guess so. And so, with the Catholics, you get a lot of names from the surrounding family as well. You're named after a grandfather, a grand-grandfather, etc. Okay. Yeah, that is what I meant by that. But not by committee. No, not by committee. (laughs) Or internet strangers. (laughs) Or internet (laughs) <laughs> Internet strangers is the best way to pick names for things. I uh, agree. Especially a child. I'm just going to put that out there. I actually have a friend who can't decide on their uh, soon-to-be child's name. Oh, no. That's what they should do. I'm I should going suggest to send that them to them. several suggestions for a first and middle name. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you should. And last. I mean, just change it all. Things, everything except for... Little, little. Why not? We did read a book this week. <laughs> what book did we read? We read um, Lord Edgware Dies. By what author? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. We're out of we're out of our norm. We're having fun. I understand. Do not make me turn this podcast around. <laughs> this podcast is going to be two hours long. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. Um, Agatha Christie. 
Oh, thanks. Someone you know a lot about did an episode of Historical Hotties about her. Which I, I did. Ooh. Which I need to listen to. Because yes. I'm a bad friend. Yep, they're also on the Scavengers Network. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you want to know how the book starts? I do. Okay. Very much so. I'm going to read from my notes here. Um, attending a performance by an impressionist, Carlotta Adams. Carlotta. Carlotta Adams. <laughs> I got a lot of impressions. <laughs> Off swimmingly. Carlotta Adams. Hercule Poirot is approached by the actress Jane Wilkinson. She requests his help in asking her husband, Lord Edward, to divorce her. My goodness, this woman. Yeah, oh. the audacity. The she, okay. She's She comes to Poirot and says, hey... I really just need to not have my husband anymore. Yeah. And Poirot's like, that's not how this works. That's yeah. not how any of this works. I would you with not even like I give you my business card, there's nothing I did for this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she says, No, no, but this is a problem. Mm-hmm. You solve <laughs> You solve problems, don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Jane. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so but of course she's very charming, very, mm-hmm. very Persuasive, but that's not really how Poirot rolls no, as much. No. But but he seemed very curious about the situation. Yes. yes. He was like, oh, the audacity. How, hmm, what is this woman? What is she doing? What I is going know. on? I must know. Yes. yes. <laughs> so he does agree to go talk to her husband, Lord Edgware. Yes. Then he does, and he's like, why won't you divorce your wife? And he's like... I'm going to. That's fine. I'm disgusted. <laughs> right. And in the meanwhile, in the meantime, before mm-hmm. Poirot goes and sees him, yes, he, no, Jane mm. says very loudly, you know, if he won't give me a divorce, I should just roll up in a taxi and sh- and kill him oh. myself. Yep. And it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, what, I really said. like just thought she was drunk at that point. Yes, mm-hmm. you know sometimes you drink and you get like real loud, and yeah. I was just like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe that's why that happened. <laughs> but, but I don't know. Yeah, it just seemed <laughs> it was so outrageous. Yeah, yes, so outrageous. But and then also the next day, this guy Brian Martin comes in, yes, and says basically the same thing. Yeah. That she is very likely, she's not immoral, she's amoral. Yes. Mm-hmm. And makes that distinction by, you know, it's not that she knows what's right and wrong and disregards, it's that she just has no idea, other than her own self-interest, that mm-hmm. anything is really wrong. Yes. And I love Brian Martin. Yes. Throughout this book. Like, he's, he's just my favorite. <laughs> and may I say, the accent that Hugh does... Once again, I love when a Brit does an American accent. Oh, so good. It's so good, because he's Brian Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so fun. <laughs> and I very much enjoy um, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of this is, I, I started listening to this book last month, and mm-hmm. so it was a very long process of getting through it, and mm-hmm. so sometimes I'm going to be a little hazy about the specifics. That's okay. I went back and listened to the beginning of it today. Okay. Yeah. So. That is why. Yeah. Okay. Um, because aren't they also at a party? Yeah, they're at, like, dinner. They're at a dinner party with a bunch of actors, which is normally not their thing. Yeah. They're a bunch of, like, socialites and... (laughs) 
was going to call him Hugh. Hastings is just like, this is amazing to be here, but this guy's really drunk and he's talking at me, not with me. It is unpleasant. And Eric Hugh mm. is just like, hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, he's just stewing the whole time. Um, uh, how many guests were there? I believe 13. 13. Hmm. Is it at this thing? Or yes. Is this? yes. Oh, it is? Yes. Oh. Fun fact. Okay, because there were just so many dinners. Yes, there oh, were. Are you right about that? Um, an alternative title to this book is 13 to Dinner. And I must say, that is a far better title. I think the title, Lord, Lord Edgeware Dies, is terrible. Well, we have that moment. Yes. That was, yeah. yeah. Where, was it a future it, character? We're skipping ahead a little yeah. bit here. But uh, Ronald, yes. Marsh. Yeah, Ronald Marsh comes in and says, Lord Edgeware Dies, that's a good title for a book. You can have that. So yeah. Yeah. Agatha, <laughs> I guess, takes the book takes title the out of... of yeah, it takes the advice of her character. It's very meta. Yeah. Um, but basically, Lord Edgeware has already agreed to divorce his wife, and there's a letter involved, and he's said, yeah, he sent a letter to his wife, going, yeah, that's fine. I, we're, there's clearly, we clearly have issues. It's fine. We're moving on. Um, but Wilkinson, uh, James Wilkinson, does not deny ever receiving such a letter. And then the following morning, this escalates very quickly. The next yes. morning, Inspector Jap shows up and is like, hey, guess what? Lord Edgware is dead. He's been murdered. Yes. yes. So, okay. yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Real quick. I just love after his initial meeting with mm-hmm. Lord Edgware, Eric just goes, well, Hastings, that interview did not go at all how I believed it would. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but yes, so Inspector Jack comes and says to Poirot and Hastings, because Hastings is always there, <laughs> that Lord Edgware has died. What a surprise. We didn't know that was going to happen at all from the title. So um, what happened was someone comes up to the manor, his manor, and says, hello, it is Jane Wilkinson. I'm here to see my husband or something. Mm-hmm. Rolls up in a taxi, goes in, and dabs him with a, what is it? Is a something similar to a pen knife. knife. Right, yeah. that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I'm like, pen knife? That sounds mm-hmm. wrong. No, it's pen knife. Yeah, yes. something similar to a pen knife. And, yep. So it seems that exactly what she said, that Jane had said and that Brian had said she would do, is roll up in a taxi, declare herself, and then go in and kill him. Yeah. It seems pretty cut and dry. Yes. Ha. Huh. Neck cut and dry. Oh. Gross. Yeah, really gross. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so that's the crime. So that is the crime, the crime as it seems initially. Yes. But, uh, so, Poirot questions Jap as to why he has come to um, to see him. Yes. So it seems very clear what you do in here. Yes. He says, well, I found out that you had been to see Lord Edgeware. So I wanted to know what that was all about. <laughs> yes. Because mm-hmm. if you were there, I, I, I've i got to... Like, what's what's going on? Yeah. You, what's the scoop? Had, did, and he was saying, did Lord mm-hmm. Edgware come to you and, and tell you anything about, mm-hmm. you know, he thought someone was yeah. going to kill him or Possible something. Count. Yeah. And of course, Poirot 
Does Poirot actually tell him at that point? Because I feel like Poirot plays around with Jap a lot in Always. this one. Yeah. <laughs> <Especially> <laughs> in <this. laughs> yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does not really mention him right away. He's like, oh, he's thought of him, the divorce. He tells, like, a, doesn't, like, he doesn't not tell him, but he doesn't tell him the whole thing. Yeah, and, like, like, it's very roundabout. Mm-hmm. And then I think this is the conversation where he talks about how Jane would be an imbecile mm-hmm. to openly talk about the crime and then do it exactly as said. Yes. yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, of course. So this all becomes very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then they're talking about it a bit, and I forget if they go interview somebody, but ultimately, well, not ultimately, but in the course of this, mm-hmm. Jap, not Jap, Poirot remembers that Carlotta Adams did a very good impression of Jane Wilkinson. Yes. That is correct. And goes to see her. And right. yes. In a panic. In yeah. a panic. And yes. Hastings is like, what is going on? Why? Poirot is never this emotional ever. Yeah. <laughs> Except <What is> always. <laughs> Except for always. But it's never this obvious. But yeah, and he's in a panic and they run and they go and they get in a taxi cab and, blah, and then they get there and she's. And she is also dead. Also dead. She is also dead, yes. Uh, seemingly of an overdose of sleeping pills. Yes. Right. And so that's, of course, very unfortunate. And it does look to be an accident. It seems like, you know, she was taking these kind of a lot. She has this little tin with an inscription in it mm-hmm. saying... You know, from D with love from Paris or some yes. such thing, mm-hmm. and it had this sleeping draft in it. Veronal. Veronal, exactly. So it seems like oh, this is just she's been a habitual user at least for a number of months. So yeah, where it was, um, the note was uh, there was a receipt. Yes. Essentially saying, this was purchased this day, blah, blah, blah. So for at least nine months, she's been using this. Right. Yeah. So a couple things happen. Basically, it becomes apparent that Carlotta Adams was somehow involved in this. Yeah. Um, for reasons which I will get into in a second, because I did this backwards. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but it is also abundantly clear there is no way that this was an accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Carlotta was did not take an overdose accidentally. Like I don't think I don't think Poirot believes that for one second. And no. that poor maid. Yeah. Oh, who yeah. was just like uh, because she had hot milk as well. Yeah. That mm-hmm. the maid prepared. She's like, look, it, it couldn't have been the milk. Like I like I like I would never. And yeah. just yeah. like, oh, you poor yeah. thing. But nobody's like even blaming you right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> She's just so upset. I mean, yeah, I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that everyone realizes that there must have been some sort of imposter is because we learn that Jane Wilkinson was at a party. Yeah. That's the thing. I, she is the a very, very key plot point that I left out. Very strong alibi. She, yeah, she Good was enough. at a dinner party with a bunch of, like, how many other people, like, I don't know. Like, Twelve. Like, 12. Yeah. <laughs> Twelve. like a bunch of socialites, very a bunch of very famous people. Newspapers were probably yeah. there. Like very popular. Newspapers were there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It had in fact been printed in a newspaper that she was at this event yes. that night. And not only that, but a ton of witnesses corroborate this. Yes. Which is why 
Poirot then goes and remembers, oh, that's right, Carlotta Adams did a really good impression of her. Carlotta Adams must have been the one to go to see Lord Edgware. Yep. Meanwhile, Jane was at mm-hmm. this dinner. And there had been a phone call at the dinner. Yes. For yeah. Jane Wilkinson. The butler came and got her and said, hey, there's a phone call for you. Exactly like that. Uh, <laughs> hey, there's a phone call for you. Oh, uh, uh. New York butler. Uh. How exotic. <laughs> well, she was American. Yes. But no, no, no. All, all the butlers are British. Yes. Is this the model? The the model. The butler that like looks like an actor. Yes. 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 This is a gorgeous butler. An absurdly handsome butler. There is much made of how handsome this butler is. Is it this one or is it Lord Edgeworth's butler? There's so many butlers. There's just chock full of butlers. This book. Chock a butler. Um. Uh, let, let's just say that all the butlers are. All the butlers are okay. absurdly handsome. Perfect. They're all played by Billy Crudup in my mind. There you go. Yeah, I don't think it's important to the plot. Not particularly. Not particularly. Later, one of them is. Yes. Oh. But okay. not right away. Not at this time. Edgeware's butler. Edward, yeah. Yes. Butler is important. So therefore, it is Edward's butler. It is butler. Edward's butler. That is handsome. But the other one is also handsome in a different, distinct way. Anyway, the butler comes and gets Jane and says, hey, there's a phone call for you. And... <laughs> I'm talking here. <laughs> and she and she says, hello, this is, you know, and the person on the other line is like, hey, is this Jane? She says, yes, it's me. And then the person hangs up and mm-hmm. says, it's weird, super weird. It is very odd. Um, and apparently the person on the other end of the line was a woman. Mm-hmm. But who? But who? Oops. Who indeed? All right. Uh so now that the Carlotta Adams business has happened and poor Carlotta is dead. Yes. What happens? Poor Carlotta. Um, poor Carlotta. Poirot makes a few notes of some facts is what I have next. Brian Martin, the actor, who yes. urged Poirot that the woman is amoral, um, was a former lover of Wilkinson before she met the very wealthy Duke of Metro? Mm-hmm. Merton. Yeah. Merton? Mark, the Duke, Duke of Merton. Merton. <laughs> um, bitterly describes her as a amoral person. Um, Donald Ross, a guest of the party, witnessed her take the telephone call um, that night. Um, Adams possessed a pair of Hessianese. I don't know what that is. It's like a small pair of glasses. Yeah. Oh, along with a gold case that contained the drug that it had a puzzling prescription in it. Edgware's nephew, Ronald Marsh, had been cut from his allowance by his uncle for three months prior to these events. Um, yeah, so um, essentially, um, well, actually, Poirot calls in Brian mm-hmm. to say, hey, oh, hey, yes. buddy. Forgot about this, yeah. Remember how you said that Jane was going to do this? And he, like, <laughs> gosh, Brian goes through all these emotions. Yeah. <laughs> because Jeff, is, uh, not Jeff, but Poirot is messing with him. Yes. Because Brian had actually come up with this wild story absolutely strange of being, someone following him being, being trailed by a young man with a golden tooth yeah and then had gone into the whole tirade about Carlotta who I'm just gonna say I'm very happy was not black mm. <laughs> true because knowing Christie's history I was just ready for it like this is the introduce, introduction to black people through <laughs> the gold tooth chain wearing oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, that would have been terrible. Oh, <laughs> uh, though they do know there is a fair amount of anti-Semitism in this book. It is odd. There's a long conversation about wealthy Jewish people, and it is weird yeah. and uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. But in one of the the notes I saw, um, doing some research about this, this book, they're like, this is the last time it appears in Agatha Christie's work. Oh, interesting. And they're kind of like, what changed? Oh, well, depending on, like, the year this was mm-hmm. released, maybe mm-hmm. World War Two had something to do with her being like, yeah, not cool. The publication date of this one is 1933. Uh, oh. Mm. Yeah. Maybe she met a Jewish person for the first time in her life? I don't know. It's possible. Mm. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, so now that we have two murders, mm-hmm. two are the suspects. Yes. Suspect number one. <laughs> I wish I wish our listeners could see the face that they, that Tyler just made. Oh, it's so good. Sorry about that. Ronald Marsh, nephew of Edgware and heir. Though he has been known to have financial issues and, as we discussed, was cut off from his allowance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Brian Martin, who I'm, who I'm in love with. <laughs> I He's just a big... Bag of emotions. <laughs> he, in my mind, he's played by James Garner, like a young James Garner. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's all. Okay. That's all I have to contribute to this list. <laughs> Brian Martin, an actor who was a former lover of Jane, mm-hmm. who still, like, is harboring some feelings, even though he, like, just straight up says that she's a trash person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, I think it's one of those, like, the opposite of love isn't hate. Yeah. Because um, yeah. now he hates her, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But still, it's still related. Yeah. He yeah. still cares what he they she thinks of him and vice versa, yeah. which is, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Alton, the butler of Lord Edgware, who banishes. Right, yeah, the like, really hot butler. The really yeah. hot, Billy Crudup the butler yeah. just is gone to elsewhere. Yep. That's right. We have, well, well we, we had Carlotta. Yeah, true. <laughs> we, we had her. Yeah. Though she could feasibly, at this point in the story, be responsible for the death of the one prior. Yeah, exactly. Untimely demise. Right. She could be, like, it could have been a conspiracy. It could have been someone put her up to it. Or yeah. is she dead? Or is she dead? She's dead. No, yeah, she's, 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 she's dead. Oh. That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, the Duke of Merton, the man that Jane plans to marry. Yes. Yes. Or oh, and his mom. Oh yes. His mom's. His mom is like she's like Lady Bracknell. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very disapproving of yeah. She reminded me of Lady Bracknell in in Importance of Being Earnest. That is solid. Yeah. That is a solid reference. Thank you so much. Yes, I understand exactly what that means. Have you never, never read, read it? I have not yet. All I know is, would you be a tall, offended five? Would you say you seem to be in every way the visible personification of absolute perfection? That's the only thing I know from it. And yet you know oh, it, guess, and you know it so well. Yes, there's the importance of being ignorant <laughs> to Oscar Wilde. <laughs> yes. Yes, so those are the suspects. Yes, indeed. Well, no, we, oh, I, we I didn't even get to the biggest suspect. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm yes. sorry. Miss Jane Wilkinson herself. That's fair. Right. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And it is 
because it's one of those things where straight off the bat, it's like, oh, well, she has a really solid alibi. Yeah. So. Super solid. Now everyone's trying to run around and figure out. The beginning of the book, she was looking real, real shady. Yeah. But it is, and, you know, Poirot says, essentially, she's been saying that she's going to roll up in a taxi, announce herself, and murder him. And that's exactly what happened. So it seems highly unlikely that anyone would do that, as you were saying before. Like, and like, why a taxi? Like, she couldn't like ask a friend for a ride. And that's yeah. the point that they were making. Like, if you later on, it is made in the the, the point is made in the book. Like, you would want a, you would park three blocks away. You'd go, and then like you also wouldn't hire a cabbie that could corroborate that you got dropped off there. Yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. So it seems like a absurd move. Move, yes. rather. Yes, it is also an absurd mood. Yes, both. Murder is an absurd mood. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's also this weird thing that happens where during the course of the investigation, Poirot sends for um, a copy of a letter that Adams had written to her sister. In America. In America, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in America, yes. There are no cats, cats in America. America. Um <laughs> This has nothing to do with cats. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, basically saying, there's this weird bet that I have for $10,000, and it's fun and weird, and I'm living such an interesting life, sister of mine. Right. It's basically, this person had bet her if she could impersonate Jane, yep. that she would give her, that uh, she would get $10,000. Yes. So, and the letter, when... Poirot mm-hmm. receives the copy of it mm-hmm. has been it looks like it's been torn torn out yeah. of a notebook yes and Hastings I think makes a comment about how oh well I guess it's reasonable to expect maybe she had a scrap of paper yeah or something's missing from the letter yes yeah so that's a thing yes so there's also Lord Edgware's nephew, who is now the new Lord Edgware, mm-hmm. Ronald Marsh, or Ronnie, if you will. Ron Ron. Ron Ron. Do Ron Ron Ron. Do Ron Ron. Good one. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As, as Tristan judges himself. Um, but he comes in and he goes on this whole tirade about how... Right. Did I have a motive? Why, yes, I did. Did everything blah, blah, blah? Yes, indeed. Did Lord Edgware die? Yes, and you can use that for the title of your book. Mm-hmm. Agatha Christie. <laughs> Very <laughs> weird. Like, nudge, nudge. It turns to the camera as though he is in the office. And winks at it. Finger guns are. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and, but, he says, but no. But no, I didn't do it. No, no, indeed. I was at the opera. All right. Cool. Cool, I guess. That's, Show me the receipts. Yeah, that's fine. And then we... It's so odd. I'm so sorry. Strange. This no, continue. scene is yeah. so weird. Because from my understanding, if I remember correctly, basically, they're, Hastings and Poirot are just like chilling, thinking about the case. And then he shows up to them and is like, let me tell you a thing I do. <laughs> and they're all just like, like Poirot gives him nothing. He just stares at him like he's an, the idiot he is. It's so weird, but so funny at the same time. And I cannot wait to see the TV series version of this story. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I really, 
how are they going to condense it? My goodness. It's very confusing. Yeah. Let's just have a moment to talk mm. briefly about how confusing this is. Uh, if, if I may. Yes, please. Go ahead. Uh, first, a thank you to Tristan and Melissa for trekking out to New Jersey. Uh, for those who are listening who obviously don't know me, I had back surgery mm-hmm. <laughs> not too long ago. So I've been on a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This episode <laughs> was more confusing to me than Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Hugh Fraser does a marvelous job of doing very different intonations oh, and so voices for so many characters. But I had those moments where I was just like, Who's talking right now? Mm-hmm. They've talked for so long. I don't even remember who this is or who else is in the room right now. Mm-hmm. And then from there, like the plot, just so so much. There, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns in this one. Like the big four was confusing for yeah. reasons, but it was also it made sense. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. I wouldn't say it was necessarily confusing. It was just complicated. Yeah. yeah. That's Whereas true. this seems confusing, and at a, a certain point, Jap looks at Poirot and goes, "I think you like making these things more complicated than they are, because for your own amusement." And I think it's Agatha kind of copying to the mm-hmm. fact that this book is more complicated than it needs to be yeah. right. for the amusement of hopefully everyone involved, but really, not me. Right, because when I'm sitting here boiling it down I'm like oh okay I know what the next point is and then I'm basically ready to solve the murder yeah (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) it it almost felt like she wrote this and it was a short story Mm -hmm. and the publishers were like nah like (laughs) you signed a deal for a novel you need a novel (laughs) may I oh oh god may I say you are exactly correct it was published over the series of magazines and then condensed into a novel later on Oh, well, and that, that is why everything. it is confusing. God, lemon. <laughs> you are a hundred percent on the money. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, it it's very confusing because it it's designed to be suspenseful for you to buy the next issue of the magazine, and so there's twists and turns that way, but they're not necessarily necessary for like an overarching narrative of a novel. Right. It's it's weird, and I don't. I know we, we're gonna rate it later. I'm gonna let you know right now, though. I don't much care for this one. <laughs> so, in speaking of Ronald Marsh, yes, we do later meet, or we've met at some point. Who knows? Who knows when this happened? <laughs> the chronology. The chronology is just gone. Time is a construct, even in novels. It's very wibbly wobbly. It's very Jeremy Baramy. Shout out, good place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, best show. Anyway, uh, yes. So Geraldine, who is Lord Edgeware, the dead one, um, his daughter. The yes. Lord Edgeware past. <laughs> the Lord Edgeware that was. Yes. The daughter. So Geraldine and was at the opera with Ronald Marsh. Yes. Or they met there. They ran into each other there. Yes. And at the opera... Poirot, somehow, I forget how, later goes and meets with the cab driver that drove 
He has Jap track him down. Sure. That's what he does. I, I don't remember why we knew this person existed in the first place, though. Listen. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So Poirot goes and meets with the cab driver who said, yeah, I took them during an interval to Lord Edgeware's manor. Mm-hmm. And I just went to the opera, like, two weeks ago. And indeed, intermissions at the opera mm-hmm. are very long. Yeah, They are. They're super long. They're like 30 minutes long. So you could, theoretically, if you didn't live that far away, have a cab drive you home and back and still be back in time for the next act. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had forgotten that because my, both my parents were opera singers. Yes. So I've been to plenty of operas. I've been in operas, but I completely forgot how long intermissions were yep. during operas. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, I, I would dare say most things about operas are too long. I would get, that is my bold stance. I wouldn't say it's too long. I feel like it's very necessary for intervals to be at that length. Yes, and for all, the performers and also the, the... I understand why they are that long, but I would say if you were to shorten the first act, you could also shorten the interlude and then also shorten the second act. But there's so much to get out, though. Mm, physically, like, vocally. Yes, emotionally. Like, there's mm-hmm. just... The plot, like, I, operas are the right length. Yeah, okay. <laughs> also you can't, like, you can't, cutting a play is one thing, but you can't cut an opera, it's all sung, and then yeah. you ruin the structure of it. Yes, I understand that, yeah. I understand that. All in favor of not cutting operas, say aye. 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 Alright. Mm. <laughs> we'll just take you to some nice short Mozarts. Yes, those are the best ones. Okay. Barber of Seville is a banger. The whole part, the whole thing is a banger. Uh, that's, that's a long one. Is it? Yeah. But it is a banger. Maybe it is. Yeah, it's great. It is a banger. They did indeed, the cab driver did indeed take Ronald Marsh and Geraldine to the home of Lord Edgware mm-hmm. in the middle of the opera. So their alibi is completely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, so then they go back to meet with Ronald Marsh and are like, so this. Mm-hmm. It's like, ugh, yeah. So here's the thing. Geraldine felt really bad for me that I was having so many money troubles. So much money trouble. Yes. I was trying to make that grammatically incorrect and managed to say it correctly yeah. yes. instead. Okay. So. <laughs> trouble money. Trouble money. <laughs> I had unfew troubles with money. Great. So she said, oh, you know what? I have this pearl necklace. I don't need it. Let me go grab it for you. That's what they were doing. And she said, please wait in the taxi. I'll just go run in, be right back. Mm-hmm. Cool. Fine. He, but Ronald Marsh, who is an idiot, <laughs> heard... Uh, he is, isn't he? <laughs> heard, I don't know, someone go inside and thought that he'd go investigate. And then, I don't know, couldn't find the person or something? I don't know. I don't remember. But he goes in for some other unrelated reason, doesn't see anything happen, and then goes back out, and then Geraldine comes back out, and they go back to the opera. So, it's a little sketchy. It does seem like, yeah, maybe he could have done it. But then it doesn't make any sense with Carlotta Adams going there, and... Because the theory being Carlotta Mm. Adams went and impersonated... Yep. Yeah. uh, Jane... 
then it's like, well, then what's that? Yeah, what is <laughs> what is going on? Was it a cover for this? Was it who knows? But so that looks super suspicious because it's just like unrelated bits of. Yeah, there's this bit yeah. where this guy calls him up and is like, Poirot, I have to talk to you. Yeah. Um, and then um, Hastings is like, he'll be around five. He'll be back in around five. Yes. And then to come and visit you um, or what have you. And then he ends up getting murdered as well. Right. It was the guy that was at the at the dinner. Yes. The man that was at the dinner. Because one of the things that happened at the dinner where, which is the alibi for Jane Wilkinson. Yes. Is that um, this guy Ross, I believe. Overhears was the having, phone call, right? No. No. He no. was having a conversation with her. Mm-hmm. In which she was responding intelligently yes. to, I don't know. Greek philosophy or something yes. like that? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And Ross is like, well, hang on a minute. I know she's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, basically, he later realizes, because when Poirot first goes to interview him, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, she was perfectly lovely. And she was having this great conversation with me about Greek philosophy. Mm-hmm. And then later he puts it together nope, this this woman would not have had any idea about this. This seems really suspicious. I should go tell that inspector yeah. guy. She mm-hmm. is not pleasant. She is not <laughs> knowledgeable. Yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah. Then he turns up, instead, he turns up dead. Yes, and they go and they visit and they're like, oh, gosh, oh, man, what a terrible thing. Yes. Three murders. And um, isn't Marsh also arrested at this point? Yeah. Yes. Jap does arrest Marsh. Yeah, because obviously the <laughs> testimony of, or the um, interview with the cab driver makes him look incredibly suspicious. Yes. The letter that yes. Carlotta Adams had uh, sent to her sister mm-hmm. had this whole $10,000. Yeah. You know, she was getting $10,000, and it said that he would be giving me $10,000. Yes. Is what it said. Which threw the the suspicion further on Marsh. Yes. Because, you know, well, who's the he? It's got to be him. Mm -hmm. Clearly, he was the one who did this. Mm -hmm. He put her up to this so he could sneak in and kill kill his uncle. Yes. Yes. Makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. But then Poirot overhears someone say something on the street. Yes. And this is what I don't understand. And this is what... I hate about this whole book because number one, Marsh is in jail for weeks on end. That's true. This is several. This is almost a month later That's that right. this I happens. About that. They're at going to a luncheon. They yeah. I think walk um, past a cinema. Someone's talking about it, and someone in the crowd says, "Oh, we should talk to Elias about this," which happens to be the name of the maid of Jane. Jane? Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I thought it was of um, the impersonator, Carlotta Adams. Sad maid? Y- yes. Because um, because then he fu- goes and he investigates the letter, the stationery that she wrote to her sister. Okay. And he realizes that the stationery is torn. Okay. And oh, right. Okay. Torn, yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. could have been she, not he. <sighs> right. And this is where we will do an ad break. 
I'm going to talk to you about Hello Tushy. Turn your bathroom into the private spa oasis you've always wanted with a Tushy bidet. Every spray to your booty hole will transport you to a relaxing spa experience in the comfort of your very own bathroom. Why a bidet? Wiping your butt with dry toilet paper is so 19th century. It's time for us to catch up with the rest of the world. You see, it takes just one pint of water to properly wash with Tushy. It takes 437 billion gallons of water, 253,000 tons of bleach, and 15 million trees to make toilet paper annually. Plus, it installs in 10 minutes. Tushy fits all standard toilets and some one-piece toilets. No electricity, plumbing, or significant other required. Just unscrew the toilet seat, pop the Tushy on, connect to water, and you're ready to go. We also suggest the bamboo toilet paper, because we know softness and sustainability can coexist. It's 100% safer and 100% more sustainable, as switching to bamboo toilet paper exponentially reduces your carbon footprint. And here's your Scavengers Network exclusive. Take 10% off your first order with code SCAVENGE. Just redeem at hellotushy.com and start having a healthier bathroom experience. Okay. And we're back. And it could be a she. And so he comes and he gathers, he gathers everybody around in the parlor like he does. Yes. Yeah, so time. we have one of those we have one of those wonderful moments. Yes. Um, where Poirot then, gets everyone that has ever appeared in this book that is still alive. Yes. Together in a room. And he during the course of him explaining what has happened. By the way, if you want to understand this book. You have to wait to the end for Poirot to explain everything that makes sense. But even with that beautiful explanation that is given, it is still incredibly mystifying. Yes, I am so happy that I was not on Prime this time because, like, I still can't explain <laughs> what happened. Why the three murders occurred? What's I, going on there? I got to. It's it's all good because mm-hmm. fortunately we did have that moment because I went and listened to the back to the beginning and yeah. listened to the first five chapters again. Sure. And then I listened to the last uh, two chapters again. Very good. <laughs> the thing I do want to say is yeah. he gathers everybody and he does make it seem like Brian Martin is the person that commits the murder. Totally. Be- That's yeah. And the reason is amazing because. Brian Martins told him, quote-unquote, a cock-and-bull story about the man with the golden tooth that means nothing, and how dare you try to trick Acubarro! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is incredible, and I love how petty this man is. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And I actually did think that Brian had something to do with it, yeah. because it seemed so incredibly clear that it was couldn't have possibly been Jane. She yeah. had a, an alibi. Mm-hmm. And Brian Martin who had come in so deliberately to Poirot to be like, yep, she's going to do it. She's going to pull up in a taxi and kill him. Yes. It's like, okay, Too how obvious. do you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, no one had been suspecting Brian Martin for this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but, hey, hey, do you remember this? Do you remember this? But this goes to show that Poirot just knows better than me, I guess. I will also say it is bizarre that the only reason this occurs to him that is that he like just disassociates just enough to stand in front of a bus, almost get hit, and then he's like, "I have it." But like, it's this weird like the bath, 
Where, where did that come from? What is that like? And it's one of those things that's very frustrating with these like genius detective type characters of like since we don't have a good idea of what their internal life is at any point, we can't see. It seems to come out of nowhere every time, almost. Also, we get the narration through Hastings, yeah, yeah. who God doesn't even heart. seem to know his friend sometimes because. <sighs> The thing is, I know when Poirot is messing with people at this point. I feel acquainted enough with Poirot, and (laughs) allegedly Hastings is his best friend. And Hastings Mm -hmm. is like, I don't know, I think Poirot's finally lost. And it's like, no, he hasn't. (laughs) He's fine. Also, several times in this book, Hastings is like, I don't know if they're messing with me. And it's just like, oh my god, dude. Really? After all this time. (laughs) Of course. I will say there's this really beautiful scene of... Poirot saying to Hastings, you are important to this process. Yeah. Because you are an idiot. Yeah. Well, no, because it actually, he says, because you're normal. Yeah, which is very nice. Yeah. And he, Hastings is like, I don't know how I feel about that. And he's like, no, 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 I've misspoke. You're, I need you, otherwise I would, it would be just chaos. Right, exactly, because Hastings is, he, basically what he's trying to say is Hastings is the anchor point. For Mm -hmm. this is what everybody else is thinking. Yes. Got it. Okay. Now how can I process this so that I know, you know, what actually happened? Yeah. Hastings sees what is obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what he's trying to say. He just makes it sound like... (laughs) It just... And it did help me understand why Hastings is around. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Several times reading these stories, I'm just like... Why are you here? Yeah. Like, I enjoy that you're here, but, like, I don't understand why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think for the purposes of the novel, the, you know, and it's from his perspective. Oh, it's from absolutely. Hastings' perspective. Yeah. So I think Agatha's trying to give us a narrator that's probably guessing the things that we're guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not us, because we're detectives. Yeah. But, you know, the normal reader. Well, yes. I'm a cop and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. So, after he shames Brian Martin publicly, <laughs> publicly in front of all these people, uh, he then goes in to say, "Okay, here's what I, here's what really happened." Clue. Yes. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Um. So, what happened was. Jane Wilkinson hired Carlotta Adams to impersonate her at the party. Yes, not to do the murder. Right, or even to just drive in and appear as though. Because mm-hmm. that was what I thought all along, was that I thought that, you know, Carlotta had been roped into it. She went to the manor and, you know, everyone thought she was there and, you know, she was going to mm-hmm. get her money and that was going to be the end of it. Yeah. At no point did I ever think Carlotta actually did the murder. Yeah. I thought it was somebody else. But I thought it was Brian Martin, <laughs> in ah. fact, because he was just so, so insistent that Jane was going to do it. Sure. However, however, no. Jane hired Carlotta to impersonate her at the party. And Jane did, in fact, roll up at her husband's house, waltz in, and stab him in the neck. Yeah. With a she- corn knife. That she also got from Paris with the box. Yeah. Yes. So. I remember that. <laughs> Good, because I didn't remember that. <laughs> so then, um, 
Jane and Carlotta meet back. Oh, well, the phone call, the phone mm-hmm. call at the party was in fact Jane calling Carlotta to make sure she was there and had uh, not aroused any suspicion. Yes. Yep. Genius. Genius. That is actually genius. But it, from the other end, it looked, sounded so strange and yes. random. Anyway. The, the phone call was like, is this Jane Wilkinson? Yes. <laughs> Click. Yeah. <laughs> that was the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, then the two ladies go out to have a drink, celebrate, yeah. and poor, poor Carlotta Adams mm-hmm. has the Veronal put in her drink. By Jane, of course, mm-hmm. to get rid of, you know, this witness to, yep. yeah. Um, Tying up those loose ends. Exactly. So Carlotta goes home to go to sleep and gets real sleepy and never wakes up. Is how Poirot puts it. It's so sad. Yeah. Because um, I really liked her. She was very good. She yeah. was very fun. She was real fun. Anyway. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. Jane also dropped that box. Mm-hmm. In her bag, in mm-hmm. Carlotta's bag, to yes. make it appear as though she'd been taking Veronal all mm-hmm. this time, so it looked like it was an accidental overdose. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So the reason then, of course, that Jane again had to go and kill Ross mm-hmm. was because indeed he figured out that the woman at the party yeah. was sharper than Jane cared more about Greek philosophy mm-hmm. and was about to go twa- talk to Poirot. Talk yeah. to Poirot. Yes. Talk, talk, to po- talk to Poirot. There we go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> so she had to she had to do away with him as well so that there wouldn't be mm. any witnesses that knew she wasn't the one at the party. Yes, because he called Hastings while they were all out to lunch. Yeah. Which is bizarre yeah <laughs> that that is how that occurred but yes. yes so yeah jane gets arrested mm-hmm. and then she writes a really terrifying serial killer type letter yep to, to, to him saying yep. saying it's okay i suppose i must forgive you yeah. for for outsmarting me i really did think i was so clever in planning it though mm-hmm. like in that tone of voice that was how <laughs> That's how you did, yeah. That's how you did it. Um, yeah. And explaining that she thought it really was rather clever of her. And I agree. I yeah, have to agree. Yeah, it was very smart. It was very smart. It was very well planned out because she's she kind of went around the other side and says, yeah, no one would have suspected it was me because I was loudly declaring it. And how mm-hmm. dumb would I have had to be to yeah. do that? But Imbecilic. Exactly. Yeah. But sure enough, it was. It was her all along. And, yep, she just had absolutely no concern for anybody but herself. And the reason she couldn't have just divorced her husband, this is important. This is so the stupidest thing in the world. Well, her... I mean, I understand it, but, like, jeepers... (laughs) Jeepers. That's good. We should use Jeepers more. <laughs> Boy, howdy. This All in favor of saying Jeepers more often? Uh, I... Jeepers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so two eyes and an abstention. <laughs> <laughs> Majority still rules. Great. It's fine. So, so, instead of having a divorce, she needed her husband to be dead because the guy she was planning to marry 
was so old-fashioned that he would not have married her yeah. if her ex-husband was still alive. He's a Roman of, Catholic. Because yeah. of the church. Because of the church. Yep. Yeah. So, that is vaguely what happens in this book. It's a lot of what happens in this book. What did you think about this book? I thought a lot of things about this book. As many things as happened in the book, would you say? No. That's not <laughs> possible. So, once again, I think, and I'm probably gonna, I, my issue with it, again, is just the fact that Poirot would not have solved it if he had not had a bizarre epiphany at the end of the book. Yeah, and and at the, if I may, at the beginning mm -hmm. of the book, Hastings, who's narrating it, is basically saying, I'm gonna tell you this story that Poirot doesn't really talk about because he considers it one of his failures. Yes, because he does, he does not. Yeah, because he didn't really, like, he just had a random epiphany. He didn't, like, go through solving it methodically like he normally does. Yes. Which is very Poirot of him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, and that's one of my main issues with it, is it doesn't... It doesn't seem to track logically, and for me, the joy of these kinds of things is figuring out it along with the detective, and there's that excitement there. And yeah. once you remove that from the process, it feels very like, oh, it's like, it's just like things are happening and I'm confused and then I guess it's done. Yeah. It's like Batman versus Superman. I don't get what happened. So as I've been thinking through this and as we've been talking through this, I'm realizing that what I like about the book is the characters. Sure. Yes. yes. I liked a lot of the characters mm-hmm. and thought that they were really solid. Even... I found the idea of Jane and all of that, like, as a murderess and whatnot, fascinating. Like, cause yeah. she she's a fascinating character, and as were many of these people. Mm-hmm. And I really like them, and I mean, Hugh Fraser does a great job of bringing them all to yes. life. The accent Absolutely. work that he does, the character voices that he does in this one are phenomenal, especially and including his American accents, yes. which are so fun. And I will also say, credit to Agatha, she does paint a very good world. Like, at no point was I confused about the setting or, like, what was going on, necessarily, from scene to scene. And what was confusing was how it all comes together. Right. That's why we've done this kind of in a slapdash, like, oh, right, this happened too. Oh, yeah. oh right, that. Also that, also that. Because mm-hmm. the chronology of it doesn't seem to have any bearing on the actual... Yeah, which, <laughs> the only other episode I can that I can remember that's similar to that is the big four and that is so convoluted that everyone we were like what happens next and that kind of thing right and I think that in the big four it did matter yes but in this one it doesn't really seem to like we've Mm -hmm. been able to say a lot of these things I'm sure I'm sure if anyone is tracking this and understood this better than us they're like no no that happened first yes but eh does it matter? No. Really? No. Because he almost gets hit by a bus and he knows what happens in the end. Because, like, it doesn't have any bearing on the case, which is, to me, very frustrating. And I guess I'm just on the side of Poirot. Like, yeah, no, he did failure. And he, he, he did fail during this, and he should not mention this. This is not a story that you should tell because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Which is difficult. But I understand that I, I think the book is well, like, objectively, it's well written and well performed. The pieces of it are good, mm-hmm. but I can see how it being in a magazine, I would like it better. Yeah. Like if I were waiting week to week. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay. So we're doing this out of ten mustaches, yeah? Yes, because it is a novel. Because it's a novel. Mm-hmm. Tyler? I'm going to give this three mustaches and a soul patch. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. I have to ask for clarity. Sure. <laughs> is a soul patch more or less than a chaplain? It is, like, see, like, <laughs> like, a hair smaller than Minish. a chaplain. Okay. Understood. A hair. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. <laughs> How about you, Tristan? Uh, I would say a two or a three. I did not. And no, the only time I enjoyed this novel was at the beginning when it was just setting up the characters and I was meeting them. Once the plot began, I immediately became confused and a little irate. Um, I don't, I just, I don't think this one's for me. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. Mm-hmm. Because I did enjoy the characters so very much. And also, you know, having detracted points. Detracted points? No. Deducted points. There we go. That's the word. For it just being so convoluted and having mm-hmm. the wrap-up as, you know, silly as it was. Mm-hmm. And also for the um, the sexism that we didn't talk about, but was definitely there. Yeah. Oh, my oh gosh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I almost, at a point, gave it a five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I really... Because I do enjoy the character, but I don't know if I would have enjoyed the characters reading it. Uh, but listening to Hugh, I feel mm-hmm. like his uh, coloring of these characters really mm-hmm. like made me enjoy it that much more. Where I don't think I would have enjoyed reading these mm-hmm. characters myself. Interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah. It does. It does make sense. Yeah. Um, and. I will say what she does nail, and I'm going to bump it up to a definite three because of this. The relationship between Hastings and Poirot makes the most sense out of all the novels because they have that discussion and they have a very good like banter and back and forth yeah. in this novel. And I think the two characters, like the core cast, is very strong in this. Even Jap does what Jap does so well. Yes, and also I actually I thought of this when uh, I was listening to it. This is the time I've noticed the most, other than in the TV show, mm-hmm. that Jap gets super annoyed with Poirot. Uh, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of the time, you know, Jap just comes in, like, for five minutes at the end, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, Jap has helped me out with this one. Hey, mm-hmm. here I am. I'm Jap. Bye. Mm-hmm. And then and then that's it. That's all yeah. we see. But this one, Jap is very present. He's present throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And we get yeah. a good sense of just how annoying Poirot is to him. Yeah, and it makes sense. It's not like a, I don't think it's like a Lestrade Holmes level of like, Lestrade just hates Sherlock. Oh, no, no, no. But like, Jeff is clearly like, you constantly make me and my my men look like an idiot. Yeah. And so I, I have to not take you seriously. Otherwise, I have to start questioning everything I'm ever doing yeah. as an officer. It's yeah. much more like the, I can't remember, it's been a while since I've watched this, but it's uh, Timothy Olmudson's character in Psych and the main character in Psych. Sure. That relationship. Yeah. What are their names? 
Gosh, that's a good show. Psych and Psych Junior, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, what is I, I see yeah. like I see their faces, but I, I couldn't for the life of you tell. Yeah, you know you know what I mean. I guess we have said all there is to say. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we came close to it. I feel yeah. like there's a lot that could be oh. said. Like And now we're all gonna take a nap because yeah. that was exhausting. Oh my gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And because Passing the Percocet. <laughs> that was prescribed to him for his surgery mm-hmm. not recreational for clarity and <laughs> now that we've over explained everything in this I call this meeting adjourned ah, gavel sound <laughs> <laughs>